Welcome to the Painters Today podcast. For further episodes, please subscribe via SoundCloud, iTunes and Podbean and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 23carousels. Episode 12 features Fiona Ray. Fiona Ray graduated from Goldsmiths College, London in 1987, took part in the exhibition Freeze in London's Docklands in 1988 and was shortlisted for the Turner Prize in 1991. Over the last 30 years, Ray's work has been included in numerous exhibitions in museums, public institutions and galleries worldwide. In 2002, Fiona was elected to the Royal Academy of Arts London, served as a Tate Artist Trustee from 2005 until 2009 and was the Professor of Painting at the Royal Academy Schools in London from 2011 until 2015. was at Southampton City Art Gallery uh, at the show Painter Painter. Um, What have you been working on since then? Well, uh, that exhibition was in 2014. And um, in fact, uh, after that exhibition, I I spent a long time experimenting in my studio because I felt that I wanted to um, change what I was doing quite radically. I felt that I'd kind of come to the end of something that I'd been exploring for a number of years, whereby I sampled... um, uh, kind of little bits of imagery, motifs, and and had a uh, and made paintings where all kinds of different things were were put into the mix, and out of them somehow I made some kind of image. Or um, through the process of painting, lots of paint accidents, uh, splashes, pores, drips, um, and I. So in twenty fourteen, after paint a painter, um, I went back to what I considered to be basics, which was um, to make charcoal drawings on paper. And weirdly enough, I'd never actually done work on paper like that, not since, probably since art school. And it seemed to me that, that, that it was a way of returning to basics. The most elemental way of making a 2D image was with a stick of charcoal on a cave wall or on a piece of paper in this case. And the idea that I had in my head was that I was going to try and conjure up some kind of figure, but at the same time remain remain abstract, that, that that in a sense the tussle between figuration and abstract would be manifest on the piece of paper. So as I made the drawing, I would also be erasing it and uh, blurring it so that it, so that my, my intentions would be constantly thwarted, but at the same time I was actually able to produce an image which kind of looked like a figure of some sort. And I guess I was very inspired by the notion of um, Rauschenberg erasing the de Kooning drawing. Um, after while making these charcoal drawings, I then um, thought, well, the next logical step is to make paintings only using black, white, and several tones of grey, um, in other words, grayscale paintings. And I decided not to include any paint accidents or uh, paint techniques that I'd been using previously. And so the only thing which I allowed myself to do was to make a mark on the canvas using a brush, because again, that seemed like a very elemental decision to me the cave person taking something taking a stick to make a mark on a wall I would be taking a brush to make a mark on my canvas and in this I was quite inspired by seeing Van Gogh's sunflower paintings at the National Gallery exhibited side by side Um, it was a pair of them and it was so moving seeing this intention to communicate just using what was clearly quite an elderly brush or at least it wasn't it didn't look like a kind of beautiful sable brush but some sort of stick thing with which he used gobs of paint in order to say something about his the human condition and what he felt about life and sunflowers and 
Um, so I, I, it was these things that really inspired me to um, to go down this route of, of only including what, what you might term direct painting on my canvases. And I guess that's something I've been exploring since then. So it started with charcoal drawings. I made a set of grayscale paintings. Color seeped into the gray. And then after a while, I stopped using black altogether. And now the paintings are um, color on a white ground. And what happens to color when you put it on a white ground without any black or gray and, and how the colors can merge and, and change into other colors as you work. Before, your, your paintings included a lot of motifs, um, pandas, for example, graphic design, and it seems as though you've, you've, you've stripped everything away and, as you say, gone back to the fundamentals of you know, what painting is, I think. Yes, I think that, um, for, in a way, I, I think I've always... Um, right, right when I first left art school, um, I've always seen painting as a, a very inclusive art form it, that anything goes you can put anything on the canvas and and so that's often what I was trying to do what I was interested in doing how how do I combine all these different cultural experiences and things that I'm responding to as a person in the world how how do I make sense of them how do I um pull things together and make a comp a, a painting that's comprehensible if that's a word co not comprehensive because in fact one can't really comprehend chaos so it needs to be a sort of order to it in order that you can actually see see it otherwise it's nonsense and so I, I suppose that was the challenge I set myself was how, how do I combine things how do I make something of this that, that that in the combining or the including or the the conversations between different things will start to make a painting that can be of interest and that that feels contemporary and responds to the present day and and I suppose that the challenge I set myself for in 2014 onwards was how do I make something that's clearly a contemporary painting but doesn't include the signifiers of contemporaneity so so if I take out um, I don't know bits of uh, graphic um, what's the word fonts yeah that for example you know how, how do I do that just using brush marks on a canvas and in fact, I, I found myself, I, I realized as I was making them, because I use these, um, I start with a ground where I I blur um, the paint, the white paint and the colors into it so that it has a very sort of cloudy, um, hard to define um, beginning that in fact looks very much like something that one would, might create in Photoshop using a gradient tool or a or a cloud tool or something, but at the same time, it looked, to my mind anyway, my, in my hopeful mind, it, it, it relates very much to say Renaissance painting or um, the kind of the clouds out of which all sorts of strange creatures might emerge. Um, so I, I guess, uh, yeah, that, that's been the um, the adventure. Like, how, how do I do that? Just reading uh, in the catalogue, actually, um, for the painter painter show, hmm. that your that your painting has related to art history. Um, I, where, where you tease things out or... Well, or I think that all painting relates to art history, whether mm. or not you want it to. So you, you might as well be aware of it and you might as well be as well informed as you can be. I think it's not particularly interesting to make a painting thinking that you're nothing to do with art history and inevitably you are and people can see that you are and, mm. and if you're hiding that from yourself, I'm, I'm not really sure what the, how helpful that is to, mm. to you at making the painting. So I've always thought felt very aware of art history of course and, and very aware of the the painting tradition that I come out of and I've also seen I've always seen it as um, something that I can use 
that I have access to and that I can change into my own. So I've never actually directly quoted in the sense of appropriate taken things from another painting, but I, I look at it and I change it into my own and I um, see it like a lexicon from which I can sample all these different ways of doing stuff, learn how to do it myself and then apply it to my own painting. Mm. There's a lovely quote from you actually um, from thank you well, it, it was it was quite a long time ago now from 2009 uh, I can't believe that that was that long that long ago now um, but it's it's a lovely quote and you say um, you say oh, have a look. you say I enjoy showing off in paint I don't want to make paintings that sit quietly in the corner of, of the room I want to make paintings that are surprising and that have something new to add to the history of painting. Do you think that you that you have added or that you are adding some, something new to, I, I, to I the guess history of painting? It, I hope I'm adding something new to the history of painting. Um, that's very much why I guess I get up in the morning and come to the studio, that, that I'm engaged in something that's worthwhile and um, making a contribution. But of course, in the end, that's not really for me to say, is it? I mean... Um, I, I guess you know, at my most optimistic, I think, okay, I'm looking at the way the world is now, how the digital has influenced the way we see the world. And, and I think that I'm using this ancient tradition of oil painting to reflect something of that. And at the same time, use oil painting in the way in which it's possible to use it. And it has been used for hundreds of years, but then with a, a kind of um, a very, my own contemporary, um, somewhat iconoclastic approach to it as well. Like, why not try this? Why not try that? Um, I'm not working in a Renaissance master's studio where I have to follow certain rules. I can, I can break the rules as I see fit. So I hope in a way that that's my contribution, but, um, goodness, who knows? <laughs> in a way, you're, you're kind of also, Taking being, thing, things back to the handmade, aren't you as well? Mm. And, I, and I and I do think that you know a lot of your painting, a lot of your um, practice is is to do with craft. You know the craft of painting. Yeah, I think it's really important that if you're making a painting, that you're incredibly attentive to all the physical aspects of the painting. So the size, the surface, the the shape of the canvas, the the texture of the paint, how how it looks how you do it because otherwise you're you're kind of wielding a blunt instrument that you haven't particularly been attentive to and, and that's not interesting for the viewer and I think that the thing that painting has to offer now in the contemporary world is this incredible uh, experience of the real as opposed to the digital which has its own aspects of the real of course but you are standing in front of an actual object with your body and your eyes experiencing it so I guess for me that's why painting has to be physically very um, totally paid attention to. Physically, you have to... The physical presence of a painting is incredibly important. There's no point... In, I mean, I guess to a certain extent, you can get away with a painting that looks good just in photographs, but actually, once you stand in front of it, um, it has to uh, hold you as a viewer. It's supposed to be um, something at right angles, and make sure it's at right angles. And then, of course, you can... You can play with that, and something that that the viewer understands is supposed to be at right angles. Well, if it's slightly off and a bit goofy and cartoony, then mm. the viewer will enjoy that kind of, um, I guess, joke you could call it, or that that uh, slippage between the expectation and the execution. That the old T. S. Eliot thing of um, what is it between the intention and the action falls the shadow. And I always think that falls the shadow is what happens in every painting studio. There's your there's your ambition, and then there's the reality of what you actually make. Um, and uh, it's it's never the same thing. Mm. Many of your your previous paintings 
uh, have titles such as Everything Will Be Beyond Your Thinking and Does Now Exist, um, which appear to reference <laughs> uh, essentialism or humanist notions. Uh, is this something that you consciously recognise? <coughs> um, actually, those particular pa- those, um, that group of paintings I named after um, article titles in New Scientist, so um, that's where those came from. I, I take titles from <clears throat> different kinds of places. Um, at the moment, um, my title, because the because the paintings at the moment sort of suggest these figures emerging out of an abstract ground and abstract gestural marks, but at the same time having a, having this kind of weird notional figurative presence. Um, the, the titles have been up to now these kind of fairy tale names combined with bits of quotes from Shakespeare so that you get this kind of um, crashing together of the high and the low and the, 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 cult, the, the sort of the common um, remembering of folklore and fairy tale with an understanding that something's kind of um, poetry from the from the 17th or 16th century so um, yeah I mean my titles come from all over the place and I, I every now and then I shift how I come up with them. Do you often hear something and then write it down and then that, that might inform um, Sometimes yes yeah. yeah sometimes I do. I've often gone off and done classes and workshops in different art forms just to find out how it's done and what what goes on and because I, I find that these different ways of thinking about being creative are incredibly helpful when you come back to your lonely painting studio and you think, mm-hmm. oh, well, in um, in a poetry workshop they might think about it this way or in a drama workshop they might think about it that way. And, and sometimes in these um, various classes I've gone to, I've heard things. I thought, oh, that, that's an interesting title or that's an interesting way of thinking about painting. And um, I think one of the titles you might have mentioned was from an improvisation workshop um, See, did you mention See Your World or did I? Um, I I think that was one of the titles. Um, Everything will be beyond your thinking um, and does now exist. I think, yeah, I think those are from New Scientists. Those, uh, yeah, (laughs) do you think that there are any similarities between, um, between the way I don't know poets work and the way, um, and the way painters work? Well, what is really strange is that, um, there are. um, everything I make is completely improvised. Um, I mean, I might, I have, I set up a bunch of things like the canvas size, maybe, or the, what I've just been describing to you. Like I might decide I'm only going to work in grayscale. I'm only going to work in white and color with no black. Uh, and then, and then I improvise. So, um, I have found that actually these other art forms, there, there are so many similarities, um, that are, that kind of cross pollinate that, um, I mean, I can't really speak, of course, for other types of, um, people in the arts, what they do, but certainly, um, I've seen that there are similarities, that kind of the stepping off into the unknown that you do as a as an abstract painter certainly seems shared by people who work in improvisation in drama. Yeah. It's, I think one quote was um, from one of the the classes I went to was um, to step forward and see what the universe gives you. Mm. And that always seems to be quite a good thing to have in mind in the studio when faced with a blank canvas. It's just start, just do something and see what happens. Mm. Yeah, I I agree, and and I kind of think that the most successful painting, I think, is that um, sort of stepping into the unknown, mm. and and not um, and not thinking that you know everything about about what what you're dealing with. Yes. Uh, in terms of the canvas, in terms of the mark making. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, but at the same time, I think um, it's really important to be attentive to what you're doing and also to um, be quite nice to yourself. That probably sounds um, 
um, a bit of a strange thing to say, but I think it's really, I find it very easy to be super critical and immediately undo everything I've done. And, and I get into phases where I'll just undo everything and destroy everything. And at the end of the day, I've almost got less than what I started with because instead of a, a relatively clean, nice canvas, I've just got a, a mess. And um, that can be so, um, that can feel so despondent. And so I find it really important to, to try and think, you know, when you make something that actually it might be more interesting than you think and just because you haven't seen it before when you haven't seen something before it can have a quite an uncomfortable feeling and you think well that can't possibly be good if it doesn't I don't know what that is yet and so I find sometimes just to step back to walk out of the room and come back in again and try and see it objective is a funny word to use when you're in your studio but to try and kind of catch it by surprise and see if actually there's something interesting there rather than immediately deciding it's no good and has to come off again. I think things like that are quite important to bear in mind to um, be a bit generous to yourself and the impulse, you, the mark you made a few moments ago, it, it, it might be better than you think. Mm. And has that happened to you recently? I mean, what you're working on in the studio at the moment, I mean, have you... Um, yeah, at the moment I've kind of, at the moment it's um, kind of had a fairly high failure rate again which um, is in the sense that I've, I have, I'm, I've made a number of paintings some, some of which haven't succeeded yet maybe I should put it like that and mm -hmm. I just think I, I'm sort of thinking oh there's a way to, to, to figure it out and um, make them into what I consider to be successful paintings but um, that's kind of tough because um, as, as a painting you, you spend these out. I mean, painting is such a, I'm sure you know, such a laborious, time-consuming process. And if at the end of it you haven't got something, mm. that's a, that's quite a bad feeling. I mean, yeah, yeah. You, it's like you go to work and you come home and you've not achieved anything. Yeah. The thing to remember is that you've learnt, you've probably learnt something, and then actually the next time you approach the canvas, something kind of grounded in that experience will will it will be possible for that to happen. Mm. So. Mm. From 2014 onwards, I made a set of charcoal drawings, actually a few sets of charcoal drawings, and then I made gouache drawings. And again, this was a completely new thing for me. And I and I realized that that's why people make work on paper, that it's a way of um, figuring out a bunch of ideas or trying something out on a small scale that's relatively very quick compared to painting on a canvas at a certain scale. And um, then I pin them up around the studio and they're I, I wouldn't say that I follow them to make the paintings but they're like spirit guides that are there and, and when I feel a bit unsure what to do next on a painting I might glance over at a gouache or a charcoal drawing pinned on the wall and think oh I know why don't I try that or I'm going to look at this particular drawing for an idea of what the composition might be and of, of course it'll immediately go haywire and off-piste on a painting but at least I feel that there's something there that I can return to as a guide if, if I want turn to the Guardian article um, oh, yeah. as well. Again, there's this uh, quite an interesting quote that you said. You said, um, the way I make paintings reflects the way I experience the world and what I'm like as a person. Um, <laughs> I think that's inevitable, which, isn't it? Yeah, 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 I think so. Uh, and like, I think, look, I mean, I, I don't really know you, but but I, I, I can sense that you're quite shy. Like me, I'm quite shy too. Do you think that your paintings are quite shy? I mean, I know that you that you, that you want viewers to, to you know, to come in and see your painting straight away, and you don't want them to be kind of quiet in the corner. But do, do you see them as a little bit shy? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. No one's ever asked that before. Um, yeah, I think I think that might be right. I um I, I guess that I I don't want 
people looking at me. I want, I'd rather they looked at the painting. I, I feel quite uncomfortable with that sort of um, attention, but I've learned how to, um, how to do it mm. because I, it, you kind of have to as a painter. You have to be able to get up and do a talk about your work or answer questions. And so I've learned, um, I've learned how to do that. But in the end, um, yeah, I think, I think maybe there is a shyness to the paintings because, um, I think that's possibly why they look the way they do because they they're um they kind of they don't offer definitive um certain statements they offer a kind of um a set of possibilities i i think that i hope they're quite elusive in their meaning and their intention um that that's something that intrigues me and keeps me interested myself in making them is this this strange area I can go into when um, spending the day in front of a canvas where, uh, again, it's, I guess it's from Shakespeare, nothing is but what is not. And, mm. and th that kind of contradiction, I think, is something that I feel as a person. Um, you studied at Goldsmiths yes, uh, College. And Croydon um, before that. I did oh, my foundation did at Croydon. Oh, yeah. right. Wow, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, the reason why I'm saying wow, okay, is because I live. I know that. Well, that's yeah. why I said it. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> you said you live in Croydon. Yeah, I live. I, I live yeah. close to Croydon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you studied at Goldsmiths College um, yes. from '84 until '87. Yes. Um, have attitudes towards painting uh, changed since that time? Um, I think so massively. Um, when I was um, Goldsmiths was a very exciting art school to be at. Um, everything was. Uh, it felt like everything was possible, all sorts of things were talked about. Um, painting was certainly encouraged as much as anything else, even though it might seem as if it wasn't. But the general kind of feeling at the time was that painting wasn't something um, where there was any uh, future to be had, that in a way all the battles were done and dusted. There, there was a strong anti-painting feeling at, at certain, in certain, from certain quarters, um, but I didn't have a problem investigating painting myself as a student at Goldsmiths because lots of the tutors were very supportive and and fellow students of course were also making paintings so um but I would say that now it's much more accepted that that painting is um, a perfectly relevant uh, art form well that's my perception but maybe I'm wrong I don't know mm. do you think it is yeah I think so yeah, yeah. I think so and I kind of think um that you know that your practice is a perfect example of of how the how things have shifted and and how like there's no real rules anymore, you know, to painting mm. that that you can do what you want and mm. you can you can pluck things from art history or, yeah. or you can yeah I mean yes yeah, so actually that's funny when I when I left you've, you've reminded me actually when I left Goldsmiths and I was um, my first year out of college and uh, freeze was took place in summer of 1988 and I remember there was this feeling out there that it wasn't okay to make gestural marks that they were a bit embarrassing and I just thought oh well I'm just going to embarrass myself then but I kind of found a way of um of moving forward by making these kind of pictograms or cells of abstract painting on one canvas where they were all laid out mm. that to me um <clears throat> was a sort of ironic framework that showed that I understood the issues that I understood this that and the other but nevertheless I wanted the um, pleasure and experience of actually making gestural marks and combining them in certain ways. But yeah, it was definitely seen as kind of uncool. Mm. <laughs> that was so uncool. Which, which is, are there any particular painters, um, both historical and or contemporary, that have influenced you uh, con continuously since um, you left art school? Well, I think always Picasso for me. Um, just different 
different eras of Picasso as well, um, particularly late Picasso recently. Um, I, I just come back to it again and again. Um, 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 de Kooning's women paintings, I was looking at them a lot around 2014, that, that kind of violence of the gesture and um, the, the way in which he manages to communicate image and feeling simultaneously while at the same time it's an abstract mark. Um, so, yeah, Picasso de Kooning, um, Van Gogh, if I get the chance to see them. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned his sunflowers painting yes, earlier yeah. and how that... Well, but the bathos yeah, of it, yeah, the, the yeah, setting up yeah. of expectation and then the, the reality of what it, of the result. Um, I've always looked at Dürer a lot, but less so recently. Um, I guess something to do with the, the way in which he uses line and, and uses line to, to make visual texture. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I can see that in some of your previous work, like mm. how you use you know the dotted yeah. line, and mm. also the, the, um, the cross hatching. Yeah, the, the cross hatching. The little clouds, the little yeah. um, plant shapes, little kind of curly cues mm. and things. Mm. Um, and actually, Chen Rong's um, Nine Dragon Scroll, I saw that um, again around 2014. This incredible scroll where dragons, just done in um, I guess black ink on white paper with tiny bits of red here and there, and the way the dragons come in and out of clouds almost mm. like a Disney cartoon really yeah um, I, I, I look I, what I look at shifts all the time really but though some of these things are constant I, I'd say Picasso is pretty much a constant mm. wow mm. and of course actually Disney and cartoons oh, yeah um, very keen on Dr. Seuss um, George Harriman's Crazy Cat mm. Um, mm. I've always got cartoons lying around as well yeah and maybe fairy tales too yes recent yeah work. recently yeah. I've been looking at old fairy tale books a lot of fantastic book of fairy tales from when I was a child with these 1960s illustrations that look very Liz Taylor but at the same time they have these fantastic oh. colours and things wow. Wow. the craftsmanship in them is just unbelievable and Bambi in particular I think it was a Japanese artist that did all the um, the landscape scenes that were um, laid up in the different cells to make these kind of deep looking images um, all the trees and the forest scenes and, and when you look at them as stills uh, I, I think they're breathtaking I think that's do you have any current or upcoming exhibitions? Well, I'm about to do um, a solo booth at the Armoury show in New York with my Paris gallery, Natalie Abadia Gallery. So, um, and then I'm going to do a show in Paris with Natalie Abadia Gallery in the autumn. So that's what I've got coming Exciting. up. Yeah. And you went to, was it to Seoul recently? I did, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. How did you find that? Um, oh, it's uh, quite an experience, actually. Um, the, what was really interesting was that there's such a high awareness of the British art scene there, that, and particularly the generation I'm from, the Goldsmiths YDA thing. And so um, that was kind of interesting to see that they were very aware of what what people over here had been doing and stuff. So. Mm, well, yeah, I, I went to China a couple of years ago and I visited, um, I guess you could call it an artist commune. They were kind of living and working mm. in this in this um, building on the outskirts of Xi'an in a tiny village and again like you were saying about about the awareness of mm. British art especially the YBAs um, mm. they, they seem to be fascinated with Damien Hirst and yes. you know and Tra Tracy Emin yes and um, I did go to Tokyo in 2004 and that had that had a huge influence on me 
and in fact that was probably where I started the idea of sampling these cartoon images and things because everywhere in Tokyo there were cartoons and even everyone had a cartoon somewhere about their person even a taxi driver would have a cartoon in his pocket on a pen or a, or a serious personal assistant everyone mm, had cartoons yeah, yeah it was so much part of the fabric of the everyday visual life there mm. and um, it struck a chord with me I suppose because I very much grew up with cartoons um, I, I was born in Hong Kong and we used to go to the in fact the cartoons <laughs> my father used to take to see Disney cartoons every every weekend so um yeah, it felt um, like reconnecting in some ways. Well, thank you very much, Fiona, um, and good you're luck welcome. with your with your shows. Oh, thanks, Lucy. Thanks yeah, for interviewing me. You're very welcome. <laughs> Seabrook Art Collections. For more information, please visit www.briseman-seabrook.org.